This is K-12 Tech Talk. K-12 Tech Talk. The podcast by K-12 Techs for K-12 Techs. Real conversations, real arguments, and real banter on trending K-12 technology topics and issues. Live from the NTP studios, this is... The K-12 Tech Talk Podcast. This is episode 153. I am Josh, your host with the most. With me, as always, leading us to be late this evening, Chris. What? And Mark. Hey, Mark. Hey, I'm on time. You're on time. You're always on time, Mark. You're always early. Um, (laughs) I will offer one apology already this evening. Chris apparently is calling us from outer space so his audio is not going to be the best tonight <clears throat> the best tonight so we'll just forgive him waited till we went live to tell me my microphone sounds like trash it's fine um you are using a different microphone you're from an undisclosed location so we won't get into it i heard um, he's using an android phone as his microphone mark probably you're an android user mark. if it Don't sucks even it probably is an android phone <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> we have taken the feedback that i have received uh, Mark and I have had a conversation that he will be lowering the gain on Chris's channel in post-production and up. Yeah, my apologies for my hyperness and my excitement as we talk about trending K-12 technology topics and issues. I'm really sorry. And Mark will be upping his own channel uh, yeah. with a little bit of gain. Okay. <laughs> so it's been a week. It feels like yesterday that we were together. It feels like yesterday that I played pickleball with David from NTP. Uh, I had a, I had to have a conversation with um, the sock this week. I felt I felt kind of you know it's one of those situations where I had to email the sock about something, and I I'm telling you what, man, I don't know if you have a sock service or not, listener, but within five minutes I had a reply from David's from this from the sock at NTP. My request was simple. I needed them to add an exclusion for a certain file type because we were can't get into it. But I needed a file type excluded. So within five minutes, I had a reply back, more or less saying, hey, just to confirm, want to make sure that you understand the the threat or the vulnerability with this, that you're excluding a file type, yada, yada, yada. I said, yes, I understand. A couple minutes goes by. They're like, yep, exclusion is added. Um, I had requested that the ex- exclusion last for a period of two days. They confirmed the window of time. And away we went, and the setting was taken effect. Now, I could have gotten into the Sentinel-1 console and done that mess myself. It probably would have taken me the better part of an hour to do that because I'm not in the Sentinel-1 console every day. As user-friendly as the Sentinel-1 console is, the good people over at NTP have a much more familiar use with the console than I do. Uh, so, yeah, it was great. Uh, the feedback that we re- received from listeners is that they are some of the nicest people on Earth. And I would tend to agree with that statement now. What I will say, a caveat to that, is uh, that David is a rather um, aggressive pickleball player. So the nicest person on earth connotation might go for the sock staff. But if you get David on the pickleball court, that's a different story. It's it's you're you're in for a world of hurt. He's rather aggressive. Um, not the nicest guy on the face of the earth when he's got a pickleball paddle in his hand. Uh, take what connotation you want from that. So if you want to talk to David about Sentinel One, their sock service, the other stuff they offer, they offer uh, monitoring your firewall logs, 
all of it. Your AD, you can you can send your AD logs to them. Uh, they've got the whole suite, the you know the SIM type products. So give David an email, dren, W-R-E-N, at ntp-inc.com. Sorry about that. Let him know that you heard he is a uh, near Olympic quality pickleball player and that he's rather aggressive on the court. I'm sure he would appreciate hearing that. And uh, tell him you want, want to know some information about their Sentinel-1 offering. And I promise you, he can save you money on a next-gen AV with sock service Let's just say it's darn near $40 a year per device. Uh, so yeah, give them an email. Now that we're beyond that, Mark, this this is going to be the news episode because we do have a special interview at the end with Rise Vision, sponsor that we've had for a few weeks. So um, we've got a couple news stories and Mark is already, look at that, he is already in the newsroom. Mark's on fire tonight. He I'm ready. is. I am Mark, ready. why don't you uh, lead us away? Let's start with the security. So quick one, uh, there is a new Fortin RCE flaw. It uh, has to do with SSL VPN, uh, and it was likely exploited in attacks. So if you are a Fortin customer, make sure that you take a look at their most recent vulnerabilities and patch your stuff. Probably applies to more than just Fortinet. Patch your stuff in general. So uh, to give you Good an advice. idea of how up-to-date this podcast is, this story literally hit Bleeping Computer about... 70 minutes ago. So that's how up to date and cutting edge we are. I mean, look at the newsroom that Mark is in. If you're listening on the pods, you can't really see this, but go hit our YouTube channel and you can see the newsroom that we have purchased um, state of the art. So Mark, yeah. thank you. Thank you for your service. Yeah, thank totally you, real. Totally real newsroom. And we always appreciate Fortinet's transparency about what they got going on and what we need to patch. You can email Fortinet Podcast at Fortinet.com for more information about Fortinet products and services. This next story comes from our friends down in Georgia, down in Fulton County. And I saw this headline, and it's it's a it's a an alarming headline, but when you start to read into the details, those of us who are in the industry kind of like say, uh, there's something more to this one. But I get my peaches in Georgia. Uh, a student breached the Fulton County, Georgia school IT systems is the headline. So obviously that's going to get a couple of clicks. People are going to wonder what is going on. And when you click into this article, gentlemen, I wish you could see this. It is a guy with a hoodie in a dark room and the hood's over his head and he's like hunched down typing. Like that's how that's how much of a hacker this guy is. Sounds like Jack Wright. Reciter. Yeah. yeah, it's a it's one of those stock photos. But anyways, what they're saying is that a uh, the cyber attack against the school district impacted online services for a single school oh, uh, that the student attended. Uh, and one student told the Atlanta News first that he was unable to work over the weekend because mm. he couldn't access Microsoft Teams. Now, now, listen, listen, okay. listen, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell that none of us are, okay. are like teams districts here because all of us are like yeah we can't access teams in general but here's this uh teams you know sucks <sighs> so well the funny part though is so teams did have a major massive outage, massive outage and this happened that same weekend so you yeah. kind of wonder like mm. yeah because it the, their outage the big outage started on that friday so that right. we're, today's the eighth so yeah it was like the second 
And then I don't know if they resolved it going into the weekend, but then it happened again Monday or was continued into Monday. So the yeah. question is, was the outage still going yeah. on? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's the age, age old statement. If teams goes down, does anybody notice? Uh, well, it's down so often. <sighs> We're going to get hate mail from Microsoft. A lot of again. hate mail. We love Microsoft. We don't love teams that way. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, So the school district is investigating it. There was a different cybersecurity attack that that impacted Fulton County government, uh, but the two are unrelated. Now, the article closes by talking about how this school that the student attends actually had an IT hack for impact event, meaning they had a a hacking event for kids to kind of hack in different things. And we don't have any details. So you kind of wonder. You know, you just had this hacking event at a school, a student. We don't know exactly what happened. We know that a student was involved and systems went down over the weekend. I feel like this is a little bit of a fake news kind of thing because this could be the equivalent of somebody just getting into a network closet and unplugging a switch. Um, But anyways, that that headline reached a few different websites. And obviously with a headline and a scary stock photo, it gets a lot of clicks. So, well, it, it kind of I'll put this in the same vein as the story of the 3 million toothbrushes getting hacked. Like, yes, it would be a horrible thing. Did it really happen? Hmm. And no. I'm no. not familiar with the story of the I I thought I missed something. Seriously? What, what yeah, are you there talking was, about? Yeah, there was an article on Bleeping Computer. I guess it was last week. <clears throat> and this is going to sound like I'm throwing shade at Fortinet, and I'm not. Um, this involves Fortinet. This does involve Fortinet. <laughs> so, bleeping computer. There was a there was a news article going around um, from a from a publication in uh, Switzerland, I believe, and it was an interview with I think uh, like an engineer with Fortinet, and he brought up, you know, the fact that smart toothbrushes, if they're running Java, could be hijacked and turn into this giant botnet. Well, somehow that got mistranslated or misunderstood into three million toothbrushes were attacked and were part of this botnet taking down certain websites. Well, bleeping computer picked it up. Well, then I guess it was early or earlier this week. Bleeping computer kind of had to print a retraction that went in to say how it was a misunderstanding between the interviewee or the interviewer and the person from Fortinet that was being interviewed. So yeah, it's this, if you go search 3 million toothbrushes botnet, I guarantee Mark, I can see the look on your face. You've done this. There's a bunch of stories that will come back and it's kind of comical. It's almost like a, a game of telephone, right? Like something was said, it was slightly misunderstood. Uh, it gets, it gets picked up. Story becomes fanciful and large it gets picked up even more. Um, so yeah, 3 million toothbrushes, botnet kind of thing. So it's not Fortinet's fault, but it was an interview. It was based on an interview that a, an engineer, I think, gave. I don't know. So yeah, that's I'm a 3 million. It. You're Googling it. Mark, All you right. Googled it, I can tell. No, I'm good. I'm good. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, the last new story we have around cybersecurity, though, is Blackbaud. Uh, now, and I don't know if I pronounced that correctly, but yeah. B-L-A-C-K-B-A-U-D. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They do a number of different things and they do have a large K-12 presence. 
they've been in the news a lot lately because they had a breach that went bad and it got worse. Um, so Blackbaud, if you're not familiar, in the fall, they agreed to a $49.5 million settlement for a ransomware breach. That is massive uh, on its own. In addition to that, during the breach, they also, they were held for ransom and they had to pay, I think it was about a quarter of a million dollars to the ransomware uh, attackers in order for them to not release data. So you're looking at, we're now looking at about a, a $50 million in ransomware fees as well as settlements. Well, today, uh, or actually this week, the FTC released a statement uh, about the, the situation uh, as well as an order for BlackBaud to delete unnecessary data and boost their safeguards. So I don't remember the last time this has happened, but the FTC got involved and actually released a, a statement about, and, and I'm going to read the exact words because I was shocked to see how, how harsh they were on this one. BlackBaud's shoddy security and data retention practices Oof. allowed a hacker to obtain sensitive personal information about millions of consumers. Companies have a responsibility to secure data they maintain and to delete data they no longer need. And so this, this latest update from the FTC was actually ordering BlackBaud to delete the data that they don't even need anymore. So this is a big company. It, it, it just kind of got Huge. me thinking about like, wait a minute, you've got a company like this that is, that's so massive and just had a very, very expensive breach. And it was so bad that the FTC had to get involved and say that their shoddy security practices, they, they've got to go backwards. They're not even deleting the old data. We've, we've had this conversation on the podcast about like, are you holding on to data that you really don't need to? And here you have a private company that was doing just that. And the FTC called them out in a very, very public uh, I, in an explosive way. I think it's worth saying the terms you are using, Mark, the descriptions that you are using are not your descriptions or the podcast descriptions. They are descriptions right, sure. by the FTC. Yes. Yeah, I was reading. Well, wink if you agree with them, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know the details of this, right? And I and I, I had to do a little bit of research just kind of uh, to, to figure out exactly, you know, what are they doing? And and I know that they're they do a lot of websites and things like that, but but to see that they're holding on to data far longer than necessary for their customers uh, is is shocking to see. But it makes you also wonder how many other companies are doing the same. So um, I'm pretty oof. sure Blackbaud has a LMS type product, too. Like they do. Yep. Yeah, that that and would SIS. be concerning. Yeah. 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 And the details of the breach, these, this all came out in the fall, is even worse because then you start to hear that this company actually never notified consumers for it was at least two months after the breach. Hmm. Uh, and then in, and then this latest update from the FTC that they never even verified that when they paid $250,000 to delete the data, they didn't actually follow up to make sure that that happened. Oh. So um, brutal, brutal comment, uh, but a good wake up call for all of us that, you know, we kind of take for granted that these companies know what they're doing and it's not always the case. Well, so, and, and we, I think a lot of, places take for granted the idea that these vendors that you do business with have your best interest at heart and they don't like they really don't care yeah. you know your your uh, revenue stream to them all they really care about is getting that invoice paid and moving on to renewal time and when you cancel you're not a customer anymore i have no allegiance to you whatever see you later yeah. um yeah 
Yeah, I think there's a lot of uh, rose-colored glasses happening there. Well, it it anybody can create a flashy website, and anybody can create a company, and anybody can you know market their product as being this phenomenal thing. But you have no idea what's on the back end. You don't right. know if this is a guy in his basement or if this is a major company, and and this is a major company, and and look what happens. So, whew, yeah. Uh, moving on. This one came from Josh. Now we're moving a little bit away from security, although this still has the same theme. Josh, you sent this, and I am a pure blood mainer. My heart is still in the state, even though I don't live there. So I was a little concerned when he sent me an article from Maine. <laughs> now this is Caribou, Maine. Now if you if you know anything about the state of Maine, pretend I don't, Mark. Okay. Okay. Uh, Maine is a very, very large state, but the majority of the population lives at the bottom uh, along the coast. Caribou is so far up at, in the middle of nowhere. It's really, really far up, and it's just a couple of miles from the, the border of Canada. Are we going to get hate mail from you? Yeah, so are this? you saying that you don't like people from there? No, no, no. Like, no, you... I, I'm trying to paint a picture of like, this is a very, very remote town here. They nothing <laughs> like your town. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, I don't like where Mark Boston. Lives. I'm from Boston, not the caribou. <laughs> I'm where from the where the country was born. Does caribou, do they have internet access up that way? They sure I, do. Not have anymore internet. because yeah. the, the affordable internet thing is going away, but we'll get into that later. <laughs> this article from caribou is at a main Thanks, school. government. <laughs> I blame Obama. Oh, no, no. Here we go. <laughs> Uh, Maine School in Caribou will begin biometric scanning and data collection for students. They are going to be the first in the state to adopt biometric student biometric scanning to track student attendance. I've heard of yeah. this being used for lunchroom duties. Yeah, uh, this is the first I've heard about it for attendance. This is a fantastic uh, uh, move because they're they're trying to push the 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 boundaries this is like I, I i really wanted to make sure you guys understood how remote this place is but they're now you know one of the first in the state to use biometrics to 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 take attendance so so chris you and i we won't say their name chris you and i have a friend that their his district uses biometrics for lunch pin or for lunch transactions um and i remember when that was implemented originally with a former director there was some community concern over yep. that. Um, and it's funny because the article about the main fingerprint stuff, some of those same concerns were echoed in that article. Yeah. Um, I'm just curious though, are they going to, I didn't honestly read the article that thorough. Uh, <laughs> are they going to have fingerprint scanners like in the door when the kids come in? How, how is this going to track back to attendance? Great question. I don't know if they're going to have one at the door or in the classroom. I, I should say that Caribou has um, roughly 460 students in the okay. district. Um, I thought you were going to tell me it's like a one classroom school. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty close. Um, but, you know, you might just have one at the door in order to do that. It's so. still a bottleneck. I would I mean, you would think right. it would be just as easy as doing it on paper. But yeah. Well, well you're going to some... do like you can you can do the. They prick your finger to get the blood out. Oh. And you can actually, you get checked in and the blood's just dripping down the hall. So, like, there's several opportunities for scanning. They're probably using ESSER, fun, <laughs> ESSER funds to pay this. <laughs> it, it's a fascinating thing because when you think about 
biometrics and fingerprints, you think of police taking your fingerprints where yeah. this technology really is it's more just, finger scanning. You're, yeah, you're looking for right. a co- you're looking for a unique identifier from right. that from that pattern. Something so about it's not, yeah. three to five points on the fingerprint. It's not the actual right. fingerprint. Right. And then it runs it through an algorithm. Because you could get some 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 people that are against being part of the database. Absolutely. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I well, mean, that would be New Hampshire. The, that would be our friends in New Hampshire. Would this would well, not fly there? Th- this is this is backwoods Maine. I mean, you know, we're not going to go into politics in the show, but like, you know, you you do have. There's definitely going to be that concern. Um, I but think, finger, I think fingerprint scanning. I think we're going there. But <laughs> you're right. You're right, Josh. It's it's looking for a pattern. It's coming up with basically a unique identifier for that. There's nothing in the technology that you can then recreate a person's fingerprint. If you believe that. If you believe that. Yeah. Yeah. So let's, let's go around and say our opinions. <laughs> <laughs> Mark. Never mind. <laughs> no, he's a, I, he's a Mainer. I don't. I don't put my fingerprint into my phone. I refuse. Really? Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of one of those. <laughs> Unlock a phone with my fingerprint and scan I my just, retinas. I, I. I think I talked about this. This is so stupid. But after we came back from New Hampshire, you went down this path. Yes. Like I, government has said that they can make you put your finger to your phone to unlock your phone, but they can't make you say your passcode. I've never been told that by the government. So I'm against it. And my phone, I don't know what I'm hiding. <laughs> hmm. But no, uh, no government. And neither will the government. Um. <laughs> I, okay. I'm going to give some information. Don't tread on me. I, I'm not going to tread on you, but I was told by a person in law enforcement, oh, the government, yeah. what, by the hear? government, what'd you hear? That um, what, what's coming phone, in the next few months? No, no, no. If your phone is locked, <laughs> if you've if you've used your phone, you've unlocked it, and then you lock it again, the police can still. There is technology, yes, that allows you to get into that phone. However, unlocking it from a cold boot. That's the safest way. Huh. Right. So just so, turn your phone off. Turn your phone off. That's that's my that's my as trip. you're running from the police. Turn it off. Turn it off. Turn it off. Yep. Turn it off. When in doubt, reboot it out. Reboot it out. Yep. Reboot. It works every time. Run and reboot. <laughs> yes. Run and reboot. Run from the you, police. I don't think anyone it. should ever take co- from no. We should not be saying <laughs> There's going to be one of our listeners who's running down the street from the police going, Mark told me to do this. <laughs> the two R's, man, the two R's. I wish his volume was a little higher. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's solid, solid advice. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We better move on. All right. Mark, what's whatever? The, what the only other thing I had, and we're going to make this really, really quick because we've been going on and on about fingerprints. Uh, <laughs> ACP, the Affordable Connectivity Program, it is coming to an end unless Congress makes a change. So uh, if your families are dependent on it, please note that it is expected to dry up or run out in April. Uh, and actually, as of today, February 8th is when we recorded this. This is the last day for you to even enroll. So Time to start to uh, think about your transition plan if you are dependent on the affordable connectivity program. 
just where I blame Obama again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Chris, I know you wanted to talk about K-12 Tech Pro next, but let's hold on to them. Let's talk about Extreme real quick. Extreme Networks. Reach out to Dominic Mayer. That's dmayer at extremenetworks.com. Uh, I just put in, we're getting a new softball field and baseball field here in my school district. Uh, and we needed a wireless uh, bridge connection to a little storage building where we got some security cameras to watch a field. Anyways, got to put in a, a little extreme switch down there. Been uh, working on getting that going this week. Uh, extreme Networks, dmayer at extremenetworks.com. It's funny because the folks that installed your point-to-point are coming to install a point-to-point at my place, and it's for our baseball softball field. And they were supposed to come. Yeah, the same let's day not. Let's not. Them. Let's not. Nope, not going to get into it. <laughs> <laughs> not getting into that. Um, Do we have a fight brewing here? Yeah, Chris stole my time. <sighs> oh, uh, they didn't tell me that. I apologize. Yeah, it, there's a whole story there. <laughs> hey, don't cut this pause out, Mark. When you edit this, <laughs> leave this as normal. No, no, we're leaving in the awkwardness. <laughs> uh, so I guess some of the big news this week, we we alluded to it a couple weeks ago when Clever came out with their state of IT or state of security in K-12 report a couple weeks ago. And then they followed that up with, hey, we're going to have this presentation about how Clever is going to change K-12 IT security, register for our webinar. So uh, the three of us did. We reg- all registered for the webinar. Two of us made it. Um, and it's not the one that you would think. Chris and I made the webinar. Um, yeah. <clears throat> so, I was late, but I made it. Oh, that doesn't surprise me. Um, it w- They talked about a lot of things. Um, but the big one that I think carries the most weight and why most people were there was student MFA. Now, we've talked about student MFA before being very, um, at the time, being difficult to implement because not all kids have devices, yada, yada, yada. And we were expecting Google or a third-party vendor to come out with a product that could address that. Well, it it appears that uh, Clever is doing that and has done that. Um, Chris, do you want to give us an overview of their MFA product? Well, I only got there for the Q&A at the end. I'm just Are kidding. Are you kidding me? I'm just kidding. I was there for the reveal. Um, I mean, I think it it makes sense. Like they have, you can, like for the upper kids, you can sign in and then show your badge as yeah. a form of two-factor. Right. Uh, for your uh, elementary kids, it's show the badge. And then it was like, pick a secret animal. Um, or fruit. Was, yeah, or a fruit. Yeah. So the the... So that's predetermined, like the kid knows what their secret thing is, whatever, or the teacher knows that. So then they're touching the cow. They're touching. The well, banana. they're clicking a cow. They're not touching a cow because not everybody has bovine opportunities in their districts. We don't have a FFA club. I know. I know our friend Megan who listens. She's a cow farmer. So maybe her kid, her students could touch a cow. Um. Anyway, I digress. Boop. Um, yeah, so the idea is older students and I, you know, you could say everybody besides elementary probably could leverage username, password, and then clever would still be leveraging the badges 
and for the, even for the older kids and the the older kids would use that QR coded badge as their second form of authentication. Yeah. And like Chris said, the little kids would use the badge, the QR coded badge as the login like they do now with the camera. And then they're prompted for their secret code or touch your secret animal. And they didn't go into great detail, but the picture, like the screenshot, I'm wondering if you get to pick like green background cow versus red. Oh, I don't know. I think that would be a little confusing for a kid. Because there's only, there's not many choices. Well, it was a, it was a screen that had, it was like a four by four. Like I see nine, nine animals. Oh, okay. I thought it was more like 12. Um, I wasn't there. Maybe you click around. Yeah. I'm so confused. So (laughs) really? So wait, what you're saying is that I feel like we've done a really good job here, Mark. Yeah, that's true. What you're saying is badge and you click a cow for little kids. Okay. Or if you're an older kid, you log in and click a cow. You log in and then show your clever badge. Oh, so older kids will get a clever badge too. Yeah, that's what I just said about 35 seconds ago. And both of those are required was... interaction. Like, Got it. Okay. I mean, you, you went into a cow tangent, so that's why I got a little bit confused. So here's my Secret question for you. animals and fruit. Yeah. Got it. So I think a lot of us have Office 365 or Google as your authentication. Mm-hmm. Does this... This doesn't go in front of that though, right? So the way I don't think that was asked, the screens they were showing made it look like, you know how um, if you're if you're currently leveraging clever badges and uh, on Chromebooks, mm-hmm. how you point the login screen to the clever UI yep. that has the camera. Yep. It to me, it looked like that interface, but it, it had a username and password box as well as the camera UI. Huh. And I even asked the question because they showed a video of someone typing in a username and password as an older kid. Um, I said, well, it, are, can you assume or can I assume that that username and password credential that you're entering on that screen is their Google username and password that that's been set up for them? And they said, well, it depends on what your authentication source is. So right. I, I'm I'm taking that as yes. Um I ugh. so I, I worry though that you know if you're using Google or if you're using Office 365 as your IDP, as your identification or your author authorization, I guess is the right way of saying it. That adding that second step will secure your learning applications. But if you can still log into the Google or Office 365 account outside of Clever, <clears throat> no, we, that's we still actually, have a that's problem. a really good point. Yeah, we still have a problem. You, you April on K twelve Tech Pro, she just gave the 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 little nugget of that's why like at your elementary set a super long stupid password because those kids never actually use their password right so right. they're doing the they're doing got the badge it. and they're clicking the cow so you've had a you've had you got crazy password can it get hacked because it's just a password yes but it is a crazy long password got it and then and then yeah you're keeping your in house stuff more secure. Okay, but, but I, even, I like the idea of that. But no, high school, I, middle school, whatever, you're still yeah. I'll, you would almost going down Mark's train of thought here, and Mark always has to be the the downer of the group. Um, I wasn't on the call. I'm just trying to understand. No, you guys. It, it makes complete sense. <laughs> going with your train of thought here, Mark. Really, the the only real solution for MFA for students needs to come from Google. 
because if if that account can still be logged in with yep. without yep. going through Clever's authentication process, you're really not saving anything. Um, or or Office 365. Or name your flavor. Yeah, yeah whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Clever is introducing MFA for as far as Clever currently goes. Yeah, like right, apps right. and that Clever log Clever screen. portal. But there's yeah. still this other part that they don't. That's that's not them, you know. Right, right, right. It, yeah. that's, and that's that's my point too. It, it's also not them. That's not their responsibility right. to secure Google. They're they're securing their own app, and and I applaud them for that. We still have a problem on our hands, though. If the Google yes. accounts can, are unsecured. can we? Well, I guess we can. Cause I'm just gonna go ahead and say it. It's not free. No, it's not free. You got to <sighs> pay for it. Dollar fifty a kid. Thanks, clever. Well, I mean, they're taking a page out of Google's book. Why wouldn't they? Because they believe in cybersecurity for students and teachers and they're in it for the greater good. Yeah. Clever is why you that's why you would do it. So full disclosure, Chris emailed <laughs> a person from Clever today to ask them to come on the show. So they're gonna listen oh, to this episode. That. And My they're bad. probably not coming on now. Um no, they 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 can clear the air, I'm sure. Well, uh, I mean, yes, th these kinds of things are expensive, and obviously a company needs to make sure that they're building products that are sustainable. Our um, pitch or our soapbox has always been that you cannot make security a paid add-on because we all know how school districts are going to respond. They're not going to, they're not going to pay for those upgrades, especially when we've just talked about how MFA is always the most hated thing from schools. And so you're rolling on MFA and you're paying a huge amount of money for it. Yeah. It's not, it's not going to see the traction that we need it to. So, well, Okay. It's a, it's a weird thing. We talk about the company at the beginning that has the big data breach and you think about like, well, what steps can you do to like make a breach not happen? Well, MFA is one of those things you can do. Right. So right, you would right, think right. a major company like a Google, like a Clever would almost give us a price break. If we're willing to burden our students with MFA and protect our data and them a little bit more, help them not have a data breach. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. Put on your, put on your tinfoil hats. That's, it, I, it, there, there's a theme tonight there is a theme well, tonight let me just scan into my phone with my fingerprint <laughs> here um, i just gave google <laughs> my fingerprint but let me complain about somebody else <laughs> um, so if and 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 clever even mentioned this in their opening act for the for the presentation today about how insurance companies are driving this need for mfa mm -hmm. is there a, a collaboration a cahootness a uh, I, I don't know. It, are they partners in this grand scheme? But insurance companies requiring MFA, if they ever get to the point of requiring it for students, and then Clever turning around or name your provider because there, there's going to be more than Clever doing this at some point, I think, in the near future, charging for MFA to protect student accounts. Like, these people are requiring it. These people have a solution, but they're going to charge for it. Like, I, I don't know. I don't think there's I don't think there's any mass conspiracy theory here. I think it's just plain old capitalism. Uh, oh sure, uh, but yeah, sure. Sorry, like health. Um, right? uh, so, um, <laughs> how? What's the over under? I said that quickly. Hopefully, nobody heard me. Um, what's the over under on timeline for Google to come out with an MFA product very similar to this for students? I'm going to say six months. Full disclosure, 
full full disclosure, we are not privy to any information. This is pure guess and prognostication. Hey, I like six months though as part of like Google's back to school <clears throat> pitch. Yeah, could be. Six months makes sense to me. Could be. Yeah. I was just thinking they've seen someone else do it that this is if you really think about it, a barrier to use is pretty low. Let's rip it off and make it our own kind of thing. Like that can't be difficult for Google to do. I'm going to say one year. Are you? Mark, I think they just did all those big feature updates just a little bit ago. Yeah, they did 20 new features. And of course the paid platform. Um, I think Mark's texting his friends at Google. You have friends like your neighbors to Google, right? No, no, I I don't have anything. Uncle, I, Uncle I Bard. I don't. Uncle Bard. <laughs> Guess what he invented? <laughs> Maps. <laughs> uh, I I I was gonna say Google Plus, but what I think Google is gonna be very very cautious about really? this. I think so. I think, I, and I'm thinking back to their push for um, all of our districts to authorize all of the apps for. Yeah anybody under 18 they're just pushing it back on schools i think they're they're pushing responsibility they're trying to take responsibility off of their shoulders and put it back on schools and if i were google right now i'd say what do you mean we have a two-step you can use two-step verification yeah, with but what's stopping you it it doesn't take a genius to realize that that's untenable for students to use i i agree and i think but if i'm a google lawyer i'm gonna say but it's there it's it's up to mm. you to use it I think it's I think it's a really tough one. I think it's a if you're a company the size of Google and you come out saying we need a student-friendly MFA, you are starting the conversation by saying we know that our current MFA is not is, I, I, is not sufficient. I can see your point there, but will Google ignore dollar 50 per student? Like that's a revenue stream unless they wrap it into their current paid platform, which I think would be horrible because you're immediately excluding how many districts that don't up to that paid platform already. If you offered this as a bolt on dollar fifty application or feature, it would be available to a wider audience. Yeah. And really dollar fifty that mark, that's a lot to you, but in the grand scheme of things, it's a drop in the bucket, you know, considering. I don't know. I, I give them about six months. I, I think I think we'll see something from Google in six months. What about Microsoft? Who's what do they do now? I mean, a lot of our kids are on Microsoft accounts to you MFA know, into teams. Yeah. I you it's know, you know Microsoft you could put them in the same boat as Google. They have MFA with their Azure cloud AD and Terrace or whatever you want to call it this week. Um, again, it's not usable for student use because not everybody has a cell phone, yada, yada, yada. Um, I don't know. I don't know what Microsoft will do. They're trying to catch up. I don't it's know. a tough one. It's it a, tough a tough one. one. one thing I mean, I'd, we... I did like that Clever said that you can set MFA rules based on location. So it sounded oh. like you could define your external IPs and say, if the login request is coming from this IP, request an MFA every week, every month. If if not That's from brilliant. this address, then require it every time. That's brilliant. Yeah. 
But again, to your point, though, Mark, that's only logging in to Clever. That's not. And if it's from yeah. a Chromebook that that yeah. is defaulted to the Clever logon, OK. But we all know Hacker Bob in Russia is probably not using a Chromebook that's being forced to Clever. You know, you're so smart, Mark. You are smart, Mark. Uh, Chris. <laughs> so, um, so there was End a segment. <laughs> I posted something on K12 Tech Pro today that um, has gotten a little bit of discussion. Chris, can you tell us what K12 Tech Pro is? If you're not people... on K12, I'm just going to cut you off and do this. I was going to say, I was mid-sentence there, but go for it. If you're not on K12 Tech Pro, go to k12techpro.com, click on community, you fill out this thing to get vetted. You prove that you work in a K-12 tech department. Um, there can be a cost or you just click sponsorship and we pick up the tab. We have uh, tons of sponsorships available. We have companies picking up that bill for you. So don't let any amount of, oh, this is coming out of my PD money, whatever, be a deterrent on if you are going to sign up or not. There's message boards. There's chat. We do weekly vitals calls, video calls where we check in. Uh, and I mostly wanted to plug... Uh, the regional meetups that we have uh, going on. So we will have uh, a meeting in the Midwest in March, our security symposium and all the states surrounding Missouri can attend that. Uh, and then April 19th will be in San Diego. And then May 31st will be in Dallas, Texas. Uh, skipping ahead to August will be a virtual event. And then fresh off the press is September. We're going to Richmond, Virginia. Oh. Uh, those are the dates announced so far. So San Diego, mostly talking to you. Uh, we're wanting to get you guys locked in for April. There's a promo code on K12 Tech Pro or just shoot me an email uh, as well. But get signed up for those. Yeah, Richmond, Virginia. I've never been there. I think I've driven through there. So, Chris, if I sign up to K12 Tech Pro and I take a sponsored option, does that mean that sponsor is going to be emailing me and calling me all the time? We don't even tell the sponsors who 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 they're sponsoring. Oh, okay. So there's some anonymity there if I pick mm -hmm. sponsor. The sponsor isn't going to call me and hound me. You actually get a shirt shipped to you um, that will have the sponsor on the back of the shirt. That's Do I have pretty to much wear that? the... Do I have to wear that all the time? You don't have to wear it all the time. If you pay, uh, you get a shirt without a sponsorship on the back. That's pretty much the... That's it. Can we, ins can we insist that Josh wears a shirt? It would be nice. Uh, this is week two that Josh is... Yeah. I'm wearing a shirt, it. Mark. White undershirt with the pit stains showing on oh, YouTube. Come on, <laughs> it's his pickleball outfit. <laughs> <laughs> I I'm just kidding. I don't see pit stains. I got I got a haircut today. The people, the, someone's <laughs> going to be listening. That's going to know the meaning behind that conversation. Um. So yes, join K12 Tech Pro. Take a sponsored option. You won't get hounded from sponsorships. And and the sponsors are super cool anyway. We've got good sponsors out there. We don't have fly-by-night people. So I posted a question out there. Uh, it's a question that came up in conversation during my admin meeting today. Um, screensaver timeouts. So several years ago, I'm Chris, when did the state auditor audit those five school districts in Missouri? Was that about seven, eight years ago? Yeah, and I was actually, I'm, I'm going to find a document that I know my school district went through about that time. So uh, one of the recommendations that came out of that, or one of the talking points that came out of those audits um, was screensaver timeouts um, and locking 
screensavers when they kicked on. So at the time, you know, that's a pretty going from not having a locking screensaver to having a locking screensaver and needing to put in a password when you move your mouse. Uh, that's a change. And you know how people love change. So we settled on a time. I'm not going to say, but it, if you get in K12 Tech Pro, you can see the time. Um, let's just say I think it's useless because it is so long. So it came up in conversation recently that we probably need to shorten that up. And I posted a survey out there and I sent it to Missouri folks as well about what what setting do you guys have picked? Do you have different settings for teachers versus highly sensitive roles? Uh, is the setting the same for everyone? And so far, the results have been pretty interesting. Uh, the settings, the, the overwhelming response about the settings the same or different is the same. Like I've had a couple people say they're different based on a role, but the vast majority are, it's the same for everyone. Um, and of those that are the same for everyone, the, the leader right now has been the 20 minute mark. Um, does that surprise you guys? I would have gone with 22 minutes mark. So the question, the options were 10 minutes, 15, 20, 25, 30 or over 30. I don't know. I feel like the norm is going to be 20 to 30. I don't know what ours is. I'm going to have to go do some research, but I think 20 to 30 is reasonable. 10 seems 10 okay, seems short. No, I was pushing agree. it. Yeah. You're pushing it. I've been in the bathroom for longer than 10 minutes. <clears throat> you need more fiber. Chris, what do you, um, what do you think? The I found this old document and this was in 2019. And I feel like the auditor stuff in Missouri was before 2019. Oh, yeah. Way before. But I want to say it met... was like 2015, 16. Okay. We met, so, and we've, we've talked about this before. I, I encourage this. This is always my soapbox. We met as a group of all the area tech departments and we sat in a room when a lot of this stuff was going yeah. down and cybersecurity was kind of getting an increase in K-12. And we argued and had banter about the, what is the minimum that we all agreed to in the room? So it wasn't about who has the best password policy it was what is the minimum that if we're all looking at each other uh that we can go back to our superintendents and say well we all agree this is as low as we can go and back in 2019 we landed on for windows google slash chromebook sys that lock screen settings should be 25 minutes huh. and then we said if office staff it should be 10 minutes Woo. and maybe that's that's where the idea of of different roles came from was from that meeting. Um, yeah. So interesting discussion. And, and, you know, I was talking it over with the superintendent early this morning before our admin meeting. And I said, you know, the complaint when we very first implemented this was be because we didn't have it on before people didn't realize that if you had a YouTube video up or you had a slides presentation, a PowerPoint presentation up, the screensaver will not kick on because the computer knows a video is playing and it knows that there's a presentation going on. The screensaver is not going to kick on even if you don't do anything for that period of time. Um, so there was, you know, there was complaints based on that. Well, if I'm showing a video for half an hour, it's going to kick on in the middle. And I'm not, no, it won't. Um, so I, there was a little bit of a learning curve and that's kind of where we landed. And, you know, there were quite a few complaints and I think, one of the one of the comments on the post out on pro sums sums this up 
um, rather well listener, Justin commented, he's like, you know, I haven't done this yet. He said, thought about it. I was threatened by the teachers union that it, that I was would be hindering their work by locking the screen after X amount of time, insert your favorite time, and that they had threatened a grievance with the union. Um, you know, Oof. bring it on. I I don't <laughs> no, like threats. No. I don't Finish like that sentence, like Josh. That. You said bring it on. <laughs> you said bring it on. I don't like threats like that. <clears throat> I'm gonna file a great okay, do it because I'm gonna I'm gonna do this. So I yeah. So there, there's some, the, the time I don't think is as relevant in, in terms of like 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. I don't think that's as important, but what you guys mentioned though, was that your classroom teachers might be 30 minutes and your office staff are 10. I know that office staff are typically dealing with more sensitive information, but I feel like the risk is so much higher in a classroom. <clears throat> I feel like that should be reversed. And I know that that's brutal to say because a classroom teacher, you don't want to have to deal with that stuff. You but were a classroom teacher, Mark. Tell us how you feel. I don't, I don't want timeouts. But in a classroom, you have 25 people yeah. who at any minute could pop on your computer and do God knows what. Whereas in an office setting, main office is a little bit different, but in an office setting, yeah. you're surrounded by a bunch of qualified hired adults so there's it's a little bit less likely i i think I, I, it's it's just fascinating because you're 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 looking at balancing risk your phrasing i think was dangerous there because you're saying the office staff were highly qualified and you didn't say that about teachers i wasn't referring to the teachers i was referring to you you when you're in an office you're surrounded by um adults who've gone through a, a background check to be in that environment when you're a high school teacher, you're surrounded by students who I think we've all been in a situation where a high school students popped on their teacher's computer and done some mischievous things. I thought, OK, I was the, the classroom thing about 10 minutes or whatever, though, is like and this was the, the, the banter. They can have a worksheet pulled up that they're lecturing on. Yeah, for sure. 15 minutes and then. Their screen got locked because sure. they had to go over and wiggle the mouse. Yeah. 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 So then no, you're taking there's... the convenience of teaching away, whatever. That's part of the impact or whatever the band. Totally. Totally. And, and Mark, the part of the discussion I had today, I, I was talking myself out of the different rules based on roles. Yeah. Because what teacher doesn't have protected information on their screen? You know, if if you're SSOing into your student information system. It doesn't take a whole because we all know everybody, I, I, myself included, cached logins to mail. If you can SSO into your your student information system, what kind of information can be click, click, click? I can see God knows what grade book, IEP information, whatever, you know, if there's an allergy code. Everybody in the school now, besides probably custodial workers who don't have an assigned PC has protected information at their fingertips. So I think that discussion of changing that rule based on the role, I don't think it applies. I really don't. Yeah. Well, especially if you have, you know, an employee portal where you can see your paycheck and your, you can yeah. change your direct deposit. doesn't matter if it's a paycheck or the superintendent, if you can change your direct deposit online, you need to be secured. You need to yeah. be locked down. So well, and yeah. it, 
So step through that. Like we we can do that. Well, you can't do direct deposit. You have to go to that's a manual process, physical process, which thankfully, but you can still see a, a bunch of information in our portal. And if you allow saving of passwords, even if you don't SSO into your HR portal, again, click, click, click. I'm there. So yeah, I, I think that arg that and it's not an argument, that discussion of different rules based on roles doesn't apply anymore. And going back to what I said about like our groups, like our, our, our group meeting, it is in a lot of this, it's what your school culture is like. Oh yeah. It, and it's what your area does. It's what the neighboring school district does. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's um, why, that's why I sent out this survey. I, cause I know, I know there, there, if we change this, there will likely be concerns or comments made. I want to be able to say, look, we surveyed, X, Y, we got this information from X, Y, Z, other school districts. We are not doing this. We're not an on an island out by our own doing this. Um, yeah. By the way, quick shout out. To, I don't even know if he listens, but I'm going to get him to listener Drew. We're in the middle oh of the gosh. school day today, changing his Windows password policy that prompted all users to go to 15 characters and force a reset in the middle of the day. Shout out to listener Drew. <laughs> <laughs> he, so a little bit of backstory. <laughs> he was wanting to change it. And I said, oh, hey, you can't. AD doesn't support anything over 14 characters. Inherently, you have to do a fine green password. Here's an article article from Black Hill Security on how to do a fine green password and set it. So he followed that. Well, what he also followed click, was click, the click. maximum age policy. I didn't tell him to follow the maximum policy <laughs> and it was his I, discord I, I mean he 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 wasn't like a lone soldier chugging through it like why am i not surprised that josh was involved in this <laughs> mark i'm helpful i was being helpful and sent him a how-to discord that we're out of ruin just, your day <laughs> discord was blowing up because he's like uh guys i'm getting calls from everybody <laughs> <laughs> I I love the image of of somebody in our role sitting there and be like, oh, I just blew up the entire district. I should get on Discord. <laughs> <laughs> Lunch yeah. lady's going to do a scan. Oh, what what's the computer say? Oh, I have to pick a 15 character password <laughs> right now. <laughs> That's almost as bad. Almost as bad as oh, setting the shut new up. <laughs> I didn't finish. I know where you're going. <laughs> Do you want to finish my my thought? Setting the new tab screen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, did that, that you, I did that in the middle of the day. Thinking that you know what other people's tabs should be on Chrome. Their new tab. Almost as bad. Do that at home. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Drew. Anyway, shout out to Drew. <laughs> he rolled it back pretty. He he recovered quickly. Yeah, because we were like talking to somebody other than Josh. Oh, shut up. I... <laughs> Here's Chris, article. <laughs> yeah, I I didn't think I would have to explain. Don't follow them. Don't do the max password limit. Otherwise, but whatever. Uh, Chris, why don't you intro this interview with Rise Vision? Yeah, so we've been hanging out with Rise Vision for weeks and weeks now, or maybe it's just been days and days. It, it, it it's a it's a relationship. It's a friendship. Uh, and I would say about two weeks ago, I got to hang out with. Uh, Brian Loosebrock, 
uh, the CEO of Rise Vision. We had a great interview with him, learned a lot about Rise Vision and their hardware and their software offerings. Uh, so to anything that we've said wrong over these last few episodes about Rise Vision, uh, this interview for sure clears it up. Uh, and you can reach out to them to get demo hardware, to get a trial of the templates on what they have going on with the uh, the cloud-based solution that they offer. Uh, so check out this interview. All right, so I am hanging out with Brian Loosebrook from Rise Vision. Brian, how's it going? Good, good. Uh, we Thanks were for just, having me on. For sure. We were just chatting before I hit the record button. You are also from Missouri. Yes, I'm in the Kansas City area. Okay. Yeah, I've been have been for for 20 years, the same amount of time I've been with Rise. So originally from Minnesota and moved to Kansas City when Rise was just kind of getting going and, and scaling up. So Okay, cool. Uh, yeah. We were just talking, Josh and I, about the weather. I've been off school for several days, Josh as well. And and Mark was saying that they don't call off school till it's like six feet <laughs> snow or whatever. Um, we had, I agree. We it's, had like uh, six millimeters and we were off, you know. <laughs> it doesn't take much in this region for them to close everything down. Right, right, right. Yeah. Well, Brian, would you talk a little bit about, I guess, about Rise Vision, uh, but about yourself as well and your role at Rise Vision? Yeah. Yeah, sure. So again, Brian Lusbrock, uh, CEO of Rise Vision. I've I've been with Rise Vision for the better part of 20 years now. Um, and as I like to kind of joke around, I I, I think I've literally done everything in the company except for write software. Cool. That's, uh, that's one skill set I don't have. Um, so yeah, a couple, couple decades there. And then prior to that, I was with a company called Dactronics, which probably a lot okay. of your listeners know who they are. They do LED displays, yeah. um, everything from large format professional stadiums, but also more common for schools is the outside marquees. Um, you know, they do displays there, scoreboards, all kinds of stuff. So I've been I've been around schools involved in that since since I was in college. Um, uh, yeah, so that's that's kind of the history. Would you tell me? Uh, so we've been talking about Rise Vision and pretending that we know all about Rise Vision and what it does <laughs> and, and who it services. Uh, would you give us the proper answer of that? What is Rise Vision and what can it do for schools? Sure. So I, I think it's important, you know, before you, you go into like what, what, who are we, what do we do? It's, it's the problems that schools face that we're addressing. Um, you know, and in our experience, schools are always looking for ways to, to improve communication with students, staff, uh, parents, the, the greater school community. Um, and, and, you know, in the, in, in the current climate, unfortunately, too, it's they're struggling with creating a positive and maintaining a positive uh, culture. It, it's it's always been a challenge. Um, and I think it certainly is even more so now with all the noise out there in, in terms of trying to communicate um, and all the avenues, you know, people are screaming at, at at the community with various things. So where Rise Vision comes in and what we do is we help schools communicate better using digital signage. And, you know, that's everything from announcements, which is, is probably the, the biggest one, but also just helping the school, the district tell their story, uh, showcasing the things they're doing what, in the community, in the schools, what their students are doing, um, and encouraging, you know, student involvement. That, that's a big thing, yeah. especially at some of the older grade levels. And then on the, you know, in terms of the, the culture side, you know, digital signage is also a big part of that. Um, not only from the fact that it's an effective communication tool, but also what we've done with Rise Vision is we've partnered with some really great companies to bring content 
into our system that are specifically focused at that at that topic. Things like a Random Act of Kindness Foundation, they do a lot right. of good work there. Um, the CommonSense.org, the the Castle Social Emotional Learning, and and others that we've actually partnered with them to bring their content as templates, which I'll talk about more in a bit, but bring that into our system so schools can use that as part of their, you know, mix of messages that they're sending, you know, throughout throughout the day. So, yeah, we think it's pretty neat. Yeah, I, I guess let's talk about that. So I was telling you, uh, again, before I hit the record button, about our school doesn't userize vision currently. Uh, we do Google Sign Builder stuff. Google Sign Builder is on its way out the door uh and really our content is uh a glorified slideshow it's a google presentation or sometimes we we push out some youtube videos how does that compare to rise vision yeah i I think well i think there's a couple things there there's there's systems like that like google sign builder um there's you know other people doing existing methods of communication like the bulletin boards the, the flyers, the, you know, the, the old laptop hooked up to a display yeah. type of thing. And, you know, that stuff works to get started, but the problem is it's really hard to maintain that. Right. Um, and it's hard to, to scale that. And, you know, like, and that's where digital science comes in. It's such a great tool. Um, but like a lot of things, it's, it's, you got to keep it fresh. You got to have content. Right. And, and that's, you know, coming back to your question about, you know, some of these systems where it's like, Hey, it's a great tool, but you know, I now I got to go build stuff. I gotta, I gotta try to maintain this thing, and maybe it's not as intuitive as as we like it to be. Um, you know, and that's where we come in. And there's a lot of companies out there that do digital signage, right? There's a lot of us in this space, but you will be hard pressed to find somebody that is more focused on and committed to K twelve than we are. And and why do I say that? The big thing is our continuously investment in content. So our system has over 600 templates. A lot of that is focused on K-12. So when you go in there and you use us, you know, you can go in there and select in a matter of minutes. And that's no exaggeration for those that have not tried us out. You can be up and running under 30 minutes, not hours, not days. You don't have to talk to anybody. You just go in and trial it. But that's really where we kind of differentiate and we feel that we provide value to schools is that we provide the content that's really K-12 focused. Um, and it's not just some of the, the the culture things I just mentioned. It's it's everything like alerts, classroom stuff. Um, and, and, and you'll see that when you go in there. But the big reason we started investing in that several years ago is because we know schools that, you know, you just have limited resource. A lot of you guys wear a ton of hats, um, you know, and there's just not a lot to, to dedicate to, to keeping content fresh, which is key. Yep. You know, there's a lot of times we walk into schools or we hear, you know, Hey, I, we've had a system, but the stuff never gets updated. Right. And, and that's the problem. If, if, if people are walking by something and it's the same thing all week, it's never changing or worst case, it's out of date they're going to stop paying attention to it. And then it's the, the effectiveness is gone. So that's where we, again, that the content being able to keep that fresh and look professional again, you know, rarely does a school have a designer on staff. I mean, these bigger schools, sure. But like you were, you were talking earlier about out in Boston, like some of these big schools, they do have a dedicated person, but that's about, you know, when you get over that 50,000 students, maybe somewhere in there. Um, but but we we know that most of our client base is not a lot of those big schools. It's the smaller schools. 
and and we provide this content. You can go on there, use it. And not only that, but also, you know, we every week we send out a playbook to try to highlight, awesome. hey, these are new new things that we've added. Right. We're trying to make it easier. It's like, oh, I like that. I, or I didn't realize that's right. That, you know, whatever month is coming up or it's this day next week, um, you know, you can select it from the playbook and just add it right into your uh, your schedule in the, literally in a matter of clicks. So we're always looking for ways to help schools get to the content they want and, and, and do it in a matter of, again, minutes um, so that they keep it fresh and, and the effectiveness of the digital signage um, is there. Yeah, I honestly, if I'm thinking back, when I was first introduced to Rise Vision, I, I, I saw it mostly as just an alternative to like yeah. a Google Sign Builder or like you're saying, a laptop with PowerPoint running um, you can look at it like that, but all that you just said is really about content and a whole lot more than, uh, is there an image displaying on a TV in a hallway kind of thing? <laughs> right. No, no, exactly. And the way we look at it is, you know, like a content management system is kind of like table stakes. you got to have a really strong system that you can schedule content. You can do it remotely over, you know, two schools or, you know, hundred, 200 schools. Right. It, it, so that's where I think, too, we our system is nice is like, you, you know, small schools use it, large schools use it district wide. Um, but again, we don't view that as like, hey, this is what makes us different. No, it, it's that that's expected. And if you were looking at someone that doesn't have that, they should immediately be out of consideration. But again, it's like, how are you going to keep that up to date? Yeah. How are you going to keep that your student, your students, your, your, your parents, your teachers engaged so that hey, you know, our message is getting through. The effectiveness of, of the, what we're putting up there is actually getting through, right? Um, and I, I love some of the feedback we've gotten from, from customers when they talk about existing methods of communication. They're like, how many people, it's like, think about this. How many people hear an announcement when it's announced over a loudspeaker, right? How many people read that flyer taped to the wall, assuming it stays taped to the wall, or, or respond to or see an email. You know, we all have overwhelmed with email. Um, and, and it's not that this, it's like, hey, this is, you know, the end all be all and replace all that. But it's certainly, uh, you know, if you put it up there, it's like the barbershop pool. Like people are going to see it. They're going to look yeah. at it. They're going to look forward to, hey, what's new today? You know, and, and that could be a supplement to what you're doing that, you know, like the bulletin boards and things. Would you, I guess, let's unpack... Um, if I'm a school that does nothing yet, uh, I don't have TVs in the halls, uh, I'm thinking about Rise Vision, I'm thinking about a solution to the show announcements. I mean, do I get TVs from you? Do I get boxes that plug in the TVs from you? Uh, what does that look like if I'm a new school and I've not gone into this territory before? Yeah, great, great question. Um, well, I... I, I... I will say this before I launch into more specifics is I'm a big fan of like, just start small. Like, and even if that's three months or month, like make sure like you just check out the system, whether it's us or somebody else you're evaluating, um, you know, because that's the thing if you, you dive all in then you feel a little bit pot committed and I can't change. Yeah. Like it's important. Like, Hey, I really like that. I th and then scale it, roll it out. Right. We see that in a lot of our schools, kind of these trial periods, test pilots, whatever you want to call them. But um, yeah, if a school getting started, uh, you know, it, we, we have options. 
you can you can use no hardware from us if you got stuff you want you, you have already like a tv maybe a, a, a an old computer um that you want to just use for a pilot to try it out yeah you can go down we get a 14 day trial install us we're, we're you know we work on a lot of different platforms okay so you have a lot of options there you're not married to just one os um but then I would I would say once you're comfortable with it and you and you realize like hey this can help us communicate better this can help us improve our culture then I would say okay what do you want to do in terms of standardizing on hardware you know versus kind of a hodgepodge of stuff that's rolled out over a year or more um, you know that's the thing we hear often on the tail end of of schools that have rolled it out and and they're like yeah I wish we would have kind of standardized more on the hardware and and that's where just recently. You know, we've we've added some things to our offering, you know, beyond just the software uh, is some hardware pieces. So we have a media, what we call a media player, okay, um, which comes from us, has supported us pre-configured. We manage it for you. Um, and that is something you can just hook up to a display, existing displays if you have them. Uh, and if you want to take it a step further, if you don't have any existing displays, uh, we also have that now as well. Again, it's hardware that we manage. So you roll it into your subscription. It's all managed by us. You know, we got we got multiple term, multiple payment options available. Again, we know that there needs to be flexibility depending on what the school's budget looks like. Do they want it as an operating expense, a capital expense? You know, how do they want to look at it, right? And and so we've tried to address that based on all, you know, our years of working with K-12 specifically. But that, but that I would say is is how I'd go about it, is I would do a pilot, you know, and, and kind of minimize your investment, try out one of our media players, hook it up to an existing screen. And then once you know, like, hey, this this is going to work for us, then I would look at, you know, okay, I can get displays from Rise, I can get just the media players from Rise. And the nice thing is, it's all from us. Mm -hmm. And and I know that sounds, obviously I'm biased, <laughs> but we can support it for you. You have one one company to call. And and that's important, right? It's not, you don't get to run around. You don't have to worry about like, oh, this failed. Now what? I got to go figure something out. Meanwhile, my plate is full of other things I got to do. And, and our support, again, I know this sounds kind of like just what everybody says, but our support responds within one business hour. That's okay. our goal. And if you go and look at our user ratings, like G2, like customers love us because we're always there. You got a problem, we're going to answer it. You need help with something, we're going to answer it, right? Um, not in two days, like within that day, usually. Great. And I guess if I'm a school, I already have a bunch of TVs uh, in my halls. I, I have whatever, Chrome bits attached to them, uh, Chrome boxes, whatever. Uh, again, I can pick and I'm like, hey, I want to stick with that, Brian. What, what, what can we do? I can get my software from you. That's right. It's the same. That's right. Okay. Yeah. And, and that, you know, it, it wasn't until recently that we've added some of these hardware pieces in. Um, we, you know, we have designed the system uh, to be, you know, kind of hardware agnostic, right? We wanted to work on all the platforms to give maximum flexibility. But over the years, we we have, and well, not, we still get asked all the time, but now we have an answer. They're like, what do you recommend? What do you recommend? Right. Um, so, so we finally just started putting together like, hey, we have one device, not 10. Like this yeah. is our media player we recommend. You know, we have one display type that we like, two different sizes, a 55 and a 43 right now. But it's like, hey, we know that is the common stuff that we see. And and it kind of takes some of that decision making out of it. So that's why we put that in our offering. And if it works, 
great. You know, then you know, again, it, it just kind of trying to take some of that friction out for schools to get it, get it rolled out and focus on the message that they're delivering, not the technology to deliver it. Right. I mean, that in the day, that's what it's about. And you know, once you get that stuff up and running, yeah. it's, it's not about all oh, the hardware. It's about, Hey, I'm getting my message out that I want to. And I guess, can you give me some other examples? Like, okay, we're going to put announcements on, on, on there. You mentioned common sense media. Uh, so some in, in, internet safety stuff. Um, what else do you see schools using rise vision for? Yeah. Uh, good, 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 good question. So a couple things here, I think are important to point out. Um, I we see more and more now student engagement with the system. So schools are and maybe they have like a media class or maybe they just kind of have a someone spearheading a program um, and they get a handful of students together and and they say, you know, the students will start making content for the displays. Right. And again, you can you can kind of bucket everything as an announcement, yeah. but 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 really awareness whether it's sports programs, clubs, um, but just even like putting artwork up, like what's the, you know, we, yes. you know, some, some star performers in the, you know, our class or this, this particular grade level. Um, maybe they had a school function and got some pictures, you know, like, listen, even adults, like everybody loves their picture up on the screen. Right. And, and so some of that stuff, but what I think is neat is the fact that, you know, the system is intuitive enough that we, you can get the students involved in it. Um, so that's one avenue in terms of some other different kind of content outside of the traditional that like coming yep. from the you know principal or the secretary's office or whatever. Um, the other big one is emergency alerts. So, you know, one thing that is, you know, common, one of the common things that, you know, aside from solving some of these communication problems is schools wanting to be more emergency, their emergency readiness, right? Unfortunately, it's just the reality of what we live in. And one thing that, that our system does that Rise Vision can do is if the school has an emergency alert system in place uh, and, and supports common alert protocol cap, we can tie that in to the digital signage so that if an event, is, if something is triggered, an alert, um, and, and you know, all, there's all kinds of levels. I know we, when we think alerts, we just think kind of the, the catastrophic stuff, but you know, my wife's a teacher, there's a lot of different things that happen within a school where they will wanna kind of go lock, soft lockdown or whatever. Um, but th that can be sent to the displays and that for sure helps up, you know, their readiness because the more things that they can, more channels, they can get that message out, you know, versus just a, maybe a speaker or, or something yeah. in the room. Um, yeah, that, that's another big part of digital science. And I would consider, you know, not necessarily the traditional content, but it's a big part of the solution. Yep. Um, and, and another thing I, I, I really want to touch on that I love is, is, kind of a trend we're seeing is more schools are doing like student led, like morning announcements or like broadcast stuff, which is so cool. And, and they're using, you know, they'll use rise vision to kind of broadcast it to, to the signage um, because we're doing more and more stuff in the classroom and like in classroom signage and, you know, putting some of that stuff on there so that, you know, kids can see like, Oh, you know, that's my friend, Johnny, like, that's cool. Right. And, oh, I didn't realize that we were doing this thing again. It's not it's coming from the students, but it's another way to up, you know, the awareness of everybody in the building. We were having a uh, communications committee meeting and 
I'm the tech guy, so I'm supposed to be all about technology. But I said, <laughs> there's still a place. There's still a place for the piece of paper. There's still a place yep. for the speaker. We want layers of things. We want La yes. We, we we want signage in the halls. We want signage in the classrooms, um, because we're trying to get the word out. We're trying to have good communication going. So that makes sense. Oh, and, and Chris, you're you're 100 right, and that's why I said it's not necessarily like, oh, this is the end all be all. Yeah, it, it's a, it's another a layer is a great word. It's another layer supplementary to to you know having those other things up there that you know you hey i still we still want a nice you know physical bulletin board up when people walk in the building hey agreed like do it like that doesn't rule out that right you shouldn't also layer in signage right to your point yeah i like it okay so if i'm a school and i want to figure out if rise visions for me i know i can go to your website is there anywhere else that you would direct us to no, really the website I think is, is go check it out. Um, and, and I think there's two things there. It's, you know, you can sign up. You don't, some people like, Hey, I don't want to talk to anybody. I just, I just want to go check it out. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm like that. Right. It's like, and then I'll engage. You can do that. Go sign up 14 day free trial. Check it out. Literally. If you got some hardware sitting around, you can try it out. Um, and then again, once you're like, Hey, I think I want to do something, then I would encourage you to reach out. Just contact us. There's many different forms on the website to get a hold of us. Uh, you know, so one of our guys, people will follow up. They can do a more hands-on demo, answer questions, and and then get you set up for you know whatever works for what you're thinking. Um, so I, I would definitely encourage that as as an option, or go straight to us right away. We're happy to jump on a call, do a demo, awesome. you know, whatever. Yeah. All right, cool. Well, I'll put a link in the podcast description to the website. Brian, thanks for hanging out with us today. Yeah, I appreciate uh, it. I feel Any like you probably, we fumbled over what Rise Vision is and what it can do <laughs> over these last episodes. So I think you cleared it all up for us. I appreciate it. Thanks, Chris. The views and opinions expressed on the K-12 Tech Talk podcast are the personal opinions of Josh, Chris, and Mark, and do not represent the views or opinions of our sponsors or other organizations that we're affiliated with. The material information presented here is for general information and entertainment purposes only. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.